The ancient Greeks used to tell the story of a young man who was more handsome in appearance than any other person upon the face of the earth. In fact, he was so handsome, so good looking, that he captured the affections and the attention of virtually everyone that he came into contact with. One day though, he happened to be passing by a pool of water, and he caught sight of his own reflection for the very first time. And he fell in love with what he saw. Not realizing that it was merely an image, but he just loved what he saw. And in fact, he couldn't stop looking. He continued to gaze over and over at himself, completely fascinated with what he saw in his reflection. Days went by and still he continued to look at himself, admiring his own reflection, not even realizing that his body was wearing down, his body was becoming weak because of a lack of food and a lack of water. When he finally did realize that the reflection in the water could not reciprocate his love, could not love him back the way that he loved it, he ended up losing his will to live altogether. Ultimately, he ended up dying right there, staring at his own reflection. You might be wondering, what was that young man's name? Well, his name, according to Greek mythology, was Narcissus. And it is a name that continues to live on in infamy even to this present day. That word, that name, Narcissus, is where we get our term narcissism or narcissist. It is the idea of a person who is self-obsessed, self-centered, self-interested, and self-concerned. The operative term in all of those descriptions is that word self. That it's all about me. And not just when it comes to a person's physical appearance, no, but in everything. It's about what I want. It's about what I like. It's about what I deserve. It's about how I feel. Everything is filtered through the grid of me, self. And while it is probably true, I hope it is true, that none of us in this room tonight would ever be just so thoroughly consumed with our physical appearance that we would stare at our reflection in a pool of water or in a mirror for days on end, even until the moment that we die, that does not mean that we ourselves cannot, from time to time, demonstrate some very narcissistic qualities. I preached a sermon just a few months ago in which I began that sermon talking about what I believe are the dangers of the selfie culture. You know about the selfie, don't you? Pulling out that cell phone. I want to take a picture of the Grand Canyon, but I need to make sure I get my face in there as well. Facebook is called Facebook for a reason. It's my space. It's all about me. Look at me. Listen to what I have to say. Or you think about the self-esteem movement. How that's really been pushed upon young people for really hard for the last 15 or 20 years. And now as a result, that is producing some very selfish young adults who have little thought, little regard, or little concern for anybody but numero uno. It is very, very easy for us to develop the me-first mentality and let that creep into our lives where there is little room, if any, for others. And that can even include being so consumed with me that there is little room, if any, for God. 
Which brings us then to tonight's hymn study. Number 431, if you want to grab a songbook and be looking at that song. It is the song, None of Self and All of Thee. This song was written all the way back in 1874 by a French man named Theodore Menard. And it addresses, I believe, just heads on this problem, but then also the remedy for this idea of living for self. Because whenever you open up the New Testament, hopefully you do see that the idea of narcissism and living for self, that that is totally opposed to the teaching of the New Testament. The Bible makes abundantly clear that in order for a person to be a Christian, to be a disciple, to please God, in order for a person to go to heaven, you have to give up self. And then you have to make everything about about somebody else. And that somebody else is Jesus the Christ. And the Scriptures just make that plain just in no uncertain terms. In Luke 9 and in verse 23, Jesus commanded that if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. Get the focus off of self, put the focus on Jesus. In Galatians chapter 2 and in verse 20, Paul seemed to really have no objections to that idea when he said, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, Christ who lives in me. I've stopped living for me, living for Jesus now. In fact, for Paul, what that meant is that meant he had to give up a lot. There was a lot about himself and about his life that he had to forfeit, that he had to give up. Once again, Paul didn't seem to have any real problems or qualms with that. In Philippians 3 and in verse 8, Paul says, Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. In each of those passages, and I could easily put another dozen passages up there that say essentially the same thing. But the emphasis in all of those verses is on living for Jesus instead of living for self. It is the recognition that Jesus Christ, He is the Lord. And that He has all authority, He has all power, and that it is His Word and His agenda that must come first in all things. Why? Because it's all about Him. And that is what this song presses us very, very hard to think about. To look at our own lives and to just ask, what's it all about? Or who is it all about? And I do think, in my personal opinion, I think this is one of the best invitation songs in all of hymnody, just in general. Because this song is a song that forces All of us, I mean every single person in the room, all of us need to think about where we are in that process of self-denial. This is not just a song just for the people in attendance who have never been washed in the blood of the Lamb. We sang that as an invitation song this morning to encourage people who have never put Christ on in baptism to to do that this morning. But this song, this song is going to speak to everybody, wherever you are in life, to think about where exactly I am. In fact, I appreciate very much the fact that this song is written really from a first-person standpoint. And as a result, it gives it a very personal tone. Notice all of the personal pronouns that are used within it. Me and I. I am forced to think about myself. I cannot read the lyrics to this song. I cannot sing the lyrics to this song without thinking about my own life. And so I'll just ask, what's it all about in your life? Who? Is it all about in your life? Are you the person in verse 1 
The person in verse 1 who is pridefully full of themselves and just doesn't have any room for Jesus at all. You know, I've got a full schedule. I've got a full itinerary of things that I do from day to day. and There's just nothing in there for Jesus at all. This is the person who, in fact, just would just find out say, you know, I just don't need Jesus. He's not really interested in that. Don't want Him, don't care for Him. My life is going just fine without Him. You just keep your Jesus stuff to yourself. And I will say, I really would be shocked this evening if there is somebody here who falls into verse number 1. Because I'd like to think that well, you wouldn't even be here this evening if you were the person in verse 1 who has no interest in Jesus Christ whatsoever. The fact that you're here says that you at least have some interest. Unless you were just drug here against your will, the fact that you chose to be here says that you have some level of interest. But I do need to ask, are you the narcissist? Are you just so consumed with yourself that Jesus is out of the picture entirely? Maybe though, and I think this is probably the case for a lot of people in this room, maybe you're the person that's in verse 2. You are the person who has some level of conviction. I mean, after all, as the song talks about there in the second verse, it's hard not to be moved by the thought of Jesus dying on that tree, bleeding for sins that He did not commit. He's dying for my sins. It may be that you have some level of conviction and some faith in your heart, but that's about as far as you're willing to take it. You're willing to to do some mental belief in Jesus. You believe that the Bible is God's Word. You believe that that, that this is important. In fact, I'll even come to church from time to time. But you are the person who says, I really can't make any commitment beyond that. I've really only got room for, for just some Jesus in my life. Now that's certainly better than the people in verse 1. But is that enough? Is Jesus okay with you know just some of Him in our lives? Kind of hard to say that after reading Luke 9.23 a moment ago. I'll tell you what would be better though. What would be better would be to be the person in verse number 3. The person who has allowed Christ to kind of break through some of those defenses. Maybe you've let down some of those defenses on your own. You've let Christ start working within you. That faith that you do have. Allowing that to kind of, kind of work inside of you. Let the Word of God work within your heart and in your mind. And it's starting to humble you, as the song talks about in verse 3. Bringing you lower and lower. Bringing you to almost a point of total submission. It's where you're starting to realize what John the Baptist realized in John chapter 3 and verse 30. When he said, He must increase, I must decrease. This is the person who even though self does get in the way from time to time, this is the person who is actively trying to put self to death. This is the person who is trying to fully and confidently reach verse 4, because verse 4 is the goal. This is the person who wants to be able to say without a shred of doubt in their heart, none of self and all of Jesus. This is the person who is all about Christ. That every thought, every action, every word, every desire, every motive, it is all about Jesus. It's all about Him first. Where Jesus, as the song says, Jesus finally is able to conquer our will. He's able to conquer our heart. All of it. Every bit of it. He now has the preeminent position that He deserves reigning on the throne of our hearts and our lives. 
I think if we're being totally honest, I'm really not sure that any of us in this building can fully say that we're at verse 4. We're striving for it. That's the goal. That's what we're pushing toward. But I think if we're being totally honest with ourselves, none of us are completely there. But that's what we're striving for. That's what the Lord wants. He wants us to be that person who's in verse 3, who's making that move toward verse 4. And so I'll ask you, and I'll just conclude with this as we get ready to sing this song. At this moment right now, which one of those verses best describes you? Which one of those? If you had to, you know, one of those verses was the biography of your life at this present minute. Which one of those verses would it be? I'm trying to, I'd like to think I'm somewhere in the seam of verse 3 and verse 4. You may not be that far along. You may be stuck somewhere between verse 1 and verse 2. In fact, I think there's probably some folks just kind of stuck right on verse 2 entirely. Tonight is the night for you to be able to say with integrity in your heart, Lord, I want none of self and I want all of you. You can do that tonight by surrendering your will to His. You can do that tonight through baptism. By confessing your faith in Jesus Christ as the Son of God, repenting and turning from sin, and then being baptized in water for the remission of those sins, you can become a Christian tonight. You can begin living for Jesus, putting Him first in all things. And are you going to do that perfectly all the time? Probably not. That doesn't mean that we're not striving for perfection. We're not striving for excellence as we serve the Lord from day to day. Your brothers and sisters will help you in that process. The Lord will help you in that process. And you can be everything that the Lord wants you to be as you live out your days upon this earth. Brother or sister, it may be that at some point in your life, you were there in verses 3 and 4, but things have kind of went backwards instead of moving forwards. You need to repent of that. You need to fix that. Put the Lord first. Seek Him and put His will above all other things so that you can truly say as well, Lord, I want none of me and I want all of you. We can help somebody this evening to do just that. Would you respond to the invitation? Do it right now while we stand and while we sing.